Well, the last few weeks we've been talking about what it's like to live as a Christian. What does a Christian look like to Jesus? And today we baptized. And if you've ever seen one of those movies where they kind of start at the end and then they show you a little bit about what's about to happen and then they kind of go back in time and, and they start and then they bring it forward to that part, that part you've seen already. I kind of want to do that today. We, we've seen baptism today, kind of the, the, I guess, the end of salvation process, I guess to say. Really, salvation is kind of by itself and then baptism is an act of obedience to show the world that I've given my heart to Jesus. And then we begin to live as a Christian. Today I want to back up and answer the question, how can I get to heaven? I think it's something that, that people need to know, and, and I want to share a story with you. And, you know, everybody we talk about all the time that we all have a story. And uh, this morning I've asked Connie's permission to share some of her story. And, and I want to share the story for her because she's just still recuperating. And it's so good to see her and Robert and any of them guys here this morning. And we just had a remarkable prayer meeting at Earl Wednesday night. And, and so I wanted to share with you some things that I shared with Connie. Uh, and then just kind of share what God wants to do for you. Because I feel like there may be some people here that have been thinking about being saved, that have really wanted to be saved, that just hadn't really made that last big step and just committed their life to Jesus. If you are saved and you know about what I'm about to say, I just ask that you would pray for those that are hearing this morning that they would come to know Jesus as Savior, as you have. Over in John 3.16, and in John we see some very familiar verses, but I want to start at the beginning of John in just a minute. If you want to turn to John 3, you can be doing that. As many of you know, Connie has been very sick for a couple months. She spent in the Veterans Hospital, and day and night, uh, people taking care of her and looking at her, and uh, there was a time or two, Connie, we had to, Bring you back, didn't they? The doctors had to bring you back to, to life. And, and Connie got to come home a few weeks ago, and her mom and dad, uh, by the way, is Bill and Ann. You all know Bill and Ann, but this is Connie and Robert. And I hate to point them out, but I, I, it's a story that I think, I think it's good that we can, can share this story because I think it's going to help others. And she said, if it helps others, that's what I want to do. And so we, uh, and, and she got to come home, which was really kind of a miracle in itself. And she began to seek the Lord, and, and Robert began to seek the Lord, and, and just kind of finding out why she was given this second chance, because uh, it, it was just really tough. And I told her the other night, Bill and I went down on Wednesday night, that was where our visit was, we went to Earl, and he just felt like she was getting really close, and, and I told her, I said, I think the Lord saved you for, or, or give you a second chance for a, a few reasons. I, I believe, first of all, that he loves you very much. And she said something that just, uh, it really made me think, you know, because when you've been in church your whole life, you just assume God's love and you assume that he just loves everybody. And she says, you know, I've been reading in the Bible about that. I, I've been noticing that he does love me. And so this morning, I want you guys to know that if you're sitting there and you think nobody loves you, Jesus does. Amen? Jesus loves you. And he cares for you. And he cares enough to, to look over you and take care of you. And and so I said, Connie, I believe, he, I believe he'd give you a second chance because he loves you. I, I also believe he'd give you a second chance because your mom and dad and others have been praying for you. And they've been praying for her for a long time, that she would come to know the Lord. And so I, I believe that he, he'd give her that second chance because he answered their prayers. And, and so I would, I would ask you, if you're, you're praying for someone that you've been praying for for a long, long time, and, and maybe they haven't accepted Christ yet, 
I would say this morning, you can ask Bill and Ann and others in this building, keep praying for that person. Just keep praying for them. Keep praying for them. I said the other reason I think he'd give you a second chance was that you would just be here for your family. And I said, but the biggest thing is he wanted to save you. He wanted to give you a new life. And she said, you know what? I, I came to the realization just last week, she said, or in the days before now. She said, it hit me like a ton of rocks. She said, if I would have died on that, in that hospital room, I would have split hell wide open. And you think about that, and you think about the realization of that. But you know, what was so important about that was that you have to realize you're lost before you can get saved. You have to realize that you're lost before you can get saved. And, and she came to that realization. And we talked to her several weeks ago, and I said, you can't do this for your mom and dad. You can't do this for Robert. You can't do this for anybody. But, but Connie and you and the Lord have to fix it, figure this out. See, I, I know Bill and Ann would have been saved for her if that was possible, but that wasn't possible. It was only her making that decision. And she comes to the decision that she needed Jesus. And we begin to read to her over in Luke 16 about a place that's really real. It, Bill began to read to her about a place called hell. Because, see, I think we have to understand, if we think heaven's real and in the sweet by and by and I won't have to worry anymore and when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. If we, we, if we consider that a real place, then I, have to, I think we also have to realize with all that we have that hell's a real place too. But listen, he didn't create it for you. He created it for the devil and his followers, his demons, his angels. And the Bible says that he's not willing that any should go there. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all would have eternal life. See, hell was never meant for anybody but the devil. But as I told Connie, Jesus loves us so much, he goes above and beyond, and he doesn't just make us robots, he just doesn't make us love him, he gives us the choice to love him. We can choose. And there, sadly, there's many people today that are saying, I don't want anything to do with Jesus, I don't want anything to do with that church, preacher, leave me alone, I, I don't have time for that. And you know what? Jesus allows you to do that. Isn't that amazing? Even though he died on the cross and he took nails in his hands and feet and he took a crown of thorns on his head and he suffered in your place and he died for your sins, he allows you to reject that and say no and walk away. But there's only one problem with rejecting him and walking away. The Bible says at the very end of Revelation that you will be judged and you will be cast in the lake of fire. I know that sounds very harsh. I know that sounds very unpolitically correct today. But guys, I think when the reality of hell hits us, the reality of heaven will be that much sweeter. And I think it, I think it came that way in Connie's life. She, she realized how hot and how terrible and how awful hell is, and all of a sudden she realized that is not where I want to go. And we asked her that question. I said, Connie, I, I feel from what you're telling me that you don't want to go there. And she said, you're exactly right. I said, well, let me ask you another question. Do you know how to get to heaven? And she said, I need you to, I need you to show me. I need you to show me how to get to heaven. And guys, this morning in John 3, 
Nicodemus asked the very same question. He didn't really ask it out, out loud. He was, he was fishing for things, but God and Jesus being there and knowing what he knows, he knew Nicodemus's heart. He knew he was searching after something, and Jesus just went to the heart of the matter. And in John 3, we see Nicodemus ask questions. Let me read you John 3, 1. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He was high up. He was one of these Sanhedrin guys that we talked about at Easter. One of those councils that actually brought Jesus to trial and the ones that actually condemned him to death. He was part of that ruling body. But in the midst of all of this, and he's seen how Jesus act, and he, he's seen Jesus perform miracles, and he was there and talking and seeing the people and seeing Jesus talk to them, he began to realize there was something special about this man. He came to Jesus at night. Maybe he was embarrassed. Maybe he just didn't know. Maybe it was just a convenient time for him. Maybe he was busy during the day. I don't know. But he came to Jesus when he could. He came to Jesus at night. And he said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who's come from God. For no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. And then Jesus, right away, he could, could tell. Sometimes read right before this in, in John 2. The people were saying they believe in God, but they liked the miracles, and they liked all the pomp and circumstance. They liked all the high-dollar stuff. But their heart really, it really wasn't. So if you want to start John 3 with like a but, it, it really shows you a contrast of how people are trying to say they love Jesus, but they're not living for him. And then you go, but then there was a man named Nicodemus whose heart was really searching after God. And I could see this the last few weeks as we went and visited Connie. Her and Robert, they were seeking after God. They were seeking after him. And you know what I always say and what the Bible says, if you seek after God, you'll find him. You'll find him. And praise God, they found him. They found him. Jesus said, replied, verily, truly, or amen, or amen, or listen to what I'm about to say. This is a real deal. This is what he's saying here by saying truly, truly. I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. There's the answer to the question. How can I go to heaven? How can I be with Jesus someday in his kingdom? The Bible says you must be born again. That's a weird statement. Born again? I want you to understand how smart Nicodemus was. I want you to understand that he was a very learned man. And I want you to see his response to that question. Verse 4. How can someone be born when they're old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And we'd almost laugh at that. Lord, how do you expect me to go back into my mother and be born again? And I looked at Connie. I said, you're probably thinking the same thing, aren't you? Because I'm telling you, when, you, when, you, when you're trying to seek, things are just, it's different if you've not been around it a lot. And she said, that, that's, that's a really good answer. And I said, yeah, it's, it's kind of something to think about. But then Jesus answers it, all right? Remember, he's seeking, and Jesus is going to help him find it. So Jesus answered, Verily, truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. You could be born a hundred times by water, by actual birth process, by human birth, and it will not get you to heaven. You must be born physically, and then you must be born spiritually. 
And Jesus said, you're not really going to see it. This morning was kind of the best evidence that we can give of what happens in our heart. I couldn't, the other night when Connie and Robert received Christ, I couldn't see what was going on in their heart. I knew that God was changing their lives, but I couldn't see it with my eyes. But today, as Tyler and Tiffany were baptized, you could kind of see what was happening. They were dying to their old way, and then they were brought back to life into a new life, and now they walk forward with Jesus. They've been born again. Isn't that amazing? He gave them a new heart. He gave them a new way of looking at things. He gave them new want-tos. You must be born again. How can I get to heaven? You must be born again. You must give your life and heart to Jesus. I said, well, if we have to be born again, how do we do that? And then we look at John 3.16. You guys know it by heart, but it's, it's the gospel in a nutshell. For God so loved the world. Everyone under my voice this morning and everybody that can't hear my voice, every person in this six billion, I believe, worldwide, these billions of people worldwide, for God so loved that world and the ones before us, our ancestors and the ones that's coming after us. He so loved the world. How much did he love the world? He gave the only son he had. And he died on a cross. He, he gave him up. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, shall not go to hell, but shall have everlasting life. Now, 17 is a great verse. You can't stop at 16 and not read 17. Because... We say, well, why do I need to be saved? How, how come, why, where did all this begin? Who thought this up? Is this a Baptist thing? Is this a, what, what is this? And it goes all the way back to the garden very quickly. And Adam and Eve decided to sin against God. They decided to rebel against God. God said, you can touch everything in this garden. It's beautiful. It's perfect. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong at all. Just leave that one tree in the middle alone. And they decided to disobey God after they were tempted by the devil. And because of that one sin, sin entered into the world, and the minute we're born, we're born into sin. We just, we just inherit it. Just like you, you would inherit a, a million dollars from your parents, you inherit sin. And it's, it's with you. You've got it. You're condemned. Now, look at 17. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. I love that. He didn't come in to point a finger at us and say, you're wrong, and you're wrong, and you're wrong, and you're wrong, and you're wrong. Guess what? We were wrong already. Because of Adam and Eve, because of where we were birthed, because of our distant relatives, we are already guilty. We're condemned already. I didn't come to point a finger at you and tell you how bad you are. I came to save you. Thank you, Lord, for doing that. Thank you, Lord, for coming and doing that for me. And then whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. If you sit here this morning and say, I don't believe that, I don't want no part of that, it's not that he's condemning you. You're condemned already. You're guilty already because of the original sin. But he said, I didn't come to condemn you if you'll believe in me as God's one and only Son, as the Lord and the one that died for you, the one that gave his life for you, the one that rose again, if you'll confess that with your mouth, we're going to read here in a minute, you can be saved. You won't be condemned anymore. You're not guilty. And boy, that's a good feeling. I was sitting there noticing a while ago, Robert standing up singing, I'm a child of the king. I'm a child of the king. Man, it just made me cry. He could stand and sing that today. 
Connie can stand and sing that today. Tyler and Tiffany, they can stand and sing that today. If you've been saved for 50 years, you can stand and sing that today. I'm a child of the king. With Jesus, my Savior, I'm a child of the king. We're condemned. There's a way out. So what do we do next? We look at Ephesians 2. Probably my favorite verses in the whole Bible. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. How are we saved? What do we do now? We know we're condemned. We know we're guilty. We know that Jesus died for us. Now, what do I do to be saved? What do I do, Brother Todd? Listen to this. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. Let's stop right there. What grace? Jesus Christ. God's grace. This, this, this work that he did on the cross, this act of dying for you, it's coming to you. You know, I said on Easter Sunday, we could not jump high enough. We can't reach high enough. We can't do enough good things to get ourselves into heaven. Something from heaven had to reach down to us to save us. That's the grace of God. That's the grace of God. And you cannot be saved aside from the grace of God. And what's so good about that, guys, is we don't have to work our way to heaven. We don't have to do enough good things. We just have faith in the grace of God. It's all up to him. It's not about us. All we have to do is say yes. The faith is in him. I told Connie the other night, I said, have you ever seen Jesus with your own eyes? I haven't. I've never seen him with my own eyes. But as I read and as I study, as I read history books in the Bible, and I read about things that he's done, and as I read about the, the parts that they say that this man from Nazareth was risen from the dead, and, and they talked about that, and the Bible says that he appeared to over 500 people. Think about that. 500 people saw him alive. And we talked about, you know, if somebody had got together two or three and made up a story, it'd be real easy to make up a story and say, well, he's alive, but he really wasn't. But then you take it a step further, and every, every one of those disciples that followed him, they died awful deaths. They, they died of being crucified. Peter said, I'm not even worthy to be crucified like this. I want you to flip the cross upside down. I want you to crucify me upside down. Some had their heads cut off because they believed in a man named Jesus. Some, they took knives and filleted their skin. They filleted them alive because they believed in Jesus. Guys, I believe with all my heart, if they were making up a story, they would have come clean. Hey, we, didn't have, we just made that up. I'll save my own neck. We just made that story up, but they didn't. They died because they had seen him alive and nobody could keep them from saying it out loud. He is God. He is Jesus. He is the one that saved me. He's the one that saved the world. He's the one you should bow down to and him alone. He is God. And you see the proof of that over and over and over, guys. And I have faith in him. You have faith in him. And you do that because you believe, with, not in a blind faith, not because Brother Todd says to believe, not even because the Bible says to believe, because there's real facts there that says Jesus is real. It's not a blind faith. You're believing something that's real. It's Jesus Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God. I told Connie the other night, I said, It'd be just like if I bought, you bought me a Christmas gift in December and it was still sitting there under the tree and I hadn't opened it up. I said, that'd probably hurt your feelings, wouldn't it? She said, yeah. I said, you probably would have 
you know, give a lot of money for my gift because I'm a great guy and you would have got me something really good, you know, and, and you would have got me that gift. But if I never opened it up, that would have showed that I wasn't very thankful. And I said, Connie, there's been a gift waiting for you for many years now. And I said, sometimes the cross is called the tree of Calvary. And at the bottom, there's a gift that waits there for everyone that would take and accept that gift. And all you have to do is open it up, and it's the gift of salvation. You see, it's a gift. It's not how much you do or how much you work or how many things you can give up. It, it's a gift that God gives you. Here, he says, just open it. It's a gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. Tiffany was baptized today. If Tiffany could do more good things than me, then she could get up and boast to God. Look, I've done more than Brother Todd to get saved. I might say, well, I've done more than Gary Gardner. I'm boasting because I'm, I'm doing more than Gary Gardner. He says, not of yourselves. It's a gift. Nobody can boast about this. The only one that we can boast about in salvation is Jesus Christ. That's the only one we can boast about. That's the only one we can brag about. It's not about us. It's not about what I've done. I didn't do one thing to get me into heaven. Jesus did it on the cross. Jesus did it through his resurrection. Jesus did it by his love and his grace. And now because of that, yes, I do want to do good things. Yes, I do want to live for him. Yes, I do want to see other people saved. But that doesn't get me to heaven. That's just the results of my salvation. So we come to Romans 10. We're just about done. I looked at Connie's eyes and, you know, I kind of feel, Robert, I, I need to apologize to you that night because I was just steady talking to Connie. And Robert's over here in the chair. He's listening, you know. And he's nodding his head every once in a while, but I'm just steady talking to Connie. And I said, Connie, I need to ask you some questions. And I, I ask her these questions here. And I want to ask you, Listen to me, anybody sitting here this morning that's never given their heart to Jesus. You, you look back in your life right now and you don't remember a time you prayed. You don't remember a time you asked God to save you. you. You've never done that, but you want to. Because you know heaven is real, you know hell is real, and you don't want to go there and you want to go to heaven someday and you want to just be with God's people and you want to be with your family in heaven someday and enjoy all that beauty and enjoy life today. And I begin asking her these questions. Do you believe Jesus is real? From what we've said here, do you believe Jesus is real? And she nodded her head. I said, do you believe Jesus loves you? And she said, yeah, I do. I asked her, I said, do you believe Jesus died for your sins? She said, I do. Do you believe that he rose again? She said, I do. I said, do you believe Jesus is the Lord of all? She said, I do. I said, well, there's just one more thing to do. That's to say it with your mouth. The Bible says this in Romans 10, 9, and 10. You need to underline these because these are great verses that you need to show others. It says this, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. That's saying it out loud. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's so hard to understand, isn't it? No, it's not. No, it's not. We try to make it really difficult. We try to put all these curves and, and we, we try to do all these things and all these obstacles. And Jesus just says this. He said, 
If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. I said, would you like to do that? Or would you like to think about it a little bit longer? Because I told her over and over during this process, I said, Connie, I don't want you to do this for nobody but you and you wanting the Lord and the Lord telling you to do this. Because the Bible says, unless the Holy Spirit draws you, you cannot be saved. And she said, I'm ready. And Robert said, me too. And I loved that. I loved it. And I said, well, I'll pray with Connie and then I'll pray with you. And man... Right there in their living room, they both prayed to receive Christ. Let's give the Lord a praise. Love y'all. What about you today? I appreciate them letting me share their story. I want you to pray for them as they start their walk. Connie's still got some ways to go physically. She's getting there. God is good. But what about you this morning? I want everybody to bow their head and close their eyes. I mean, just nobody looking around. Nobody looking around. Maybe you're sitting there this morning and you say, I have never done that. I, I've never answered those questions in my life. I've never professed and declared and said it with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, and I want to do that today. I, I, want, I want to pray and accept Christ. Here's what you got to do. And I'll ask you just like I did Connie and Robert. Do you believe Jesus is real? Do you believe Jesus loves you with all his heart? Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? And do you believe that he rose again? And that's important because that's when the Father approved of what he had done. Do you believe that Jesus is Lord of all? And would you like to say that this morning for yourself? With nobody looking around, if you'd like to do that this morning, would you just slip your hand up and slip it right back down? Anybody else? If you'd like to do that this morning, just slip your hand right up. I've seen those first two hands. Just slip your hand up, slip it right back down. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray after me. And you just repeat this in your heart. Dear Lord, I come to you today and I ask you to save me. I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you rose again. I believe that you love me. And today, 
I want to make you the Lord of my life. Lord, show me how to live. Thank you for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, you have done what the Bible asks. If you will confess or declare with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. If you prayed that prayer this morning, you are no longer bound for a devil's hell, but you have now made reservations for heaven. And your name has been written down in the Lamb's book of life. And the Bible says that he will never blot it out. You've been adopted. And now you are part of the family of God. Maybe you feel like you wanted to pray that prayer, but you just wasn't quite there yet. I'd love to visit with you sometime. I'd love to just help you to learn even more. Maybe I didn't explain it quite clear enough for you this morning, and I would love to do that. Those that has accepted Christ, I just ask you to make it known to someone. Tell someone that you've made that decision to follow Christ. Come tell me. Let me know, and we'll work on the next steps. As the music plays this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to come and let everybody know. If you don't want to, we'll work on that later. But if you prayed that prayer this morning, I'd like you to just come down here and tell me, and then we'll go from there. But as the music plays, you guys pray for those that have made this decision. Maybe you have somebody in your heart that you're praying for. You keep praying for them this morning as the music plays.